Welcome back to another week of the Korean Beauty Show podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, K-beauty expert, resident of Seoul, South Korea, and your guide to the world of Korean skincare and beauty, and of course, everything that is going on here in Korea at the moment. Uh, So we have an absolutely jam-packed episode today. There are so many things going on, and there there was a great question that came through, so lots and lots of stuff to unpack. So let us jump straight into it. And the first article that caught my attention, I guess you could say, for this week was that Sephora Korea has recorded a deficit for the last two years. So basically what that means, you know, if you're not too familiar with accounting parlance and speak and things like that, is that they are not making money. So this article was actually suggesting that Sephora may even leave Korea or like significantly reduce you know, what they are doing on the ground here. Apparently, they have had a really hard time getting settled into the country. Obviously, the pandemic has not helped, but the industry insiders are saying that it looks like they've basically failed to keep up with the domestic beauty industry trends. Uh, So they actually recorded a decrease in sales of about 12.7% from 2020, and they've recorded an operating loss of 14.2 billion won, which is not insignificant. Uh, They were originally intending to roll out 14 new stores and even an online store in Korea by the end of the year, but the reports are indicating that that now seems unlikely. So that was a little bit of a shock to me. I don't know. This is how I would say it. I think it's always a really, really hard ask for, you know, a foreign owned and operated company like Sephora to come into Korea. It is a notoriously difficult market for foreign companies to break into. Lots of really big successful companies that you would assume would just do well wherever they go don't tend to do well here. Uh, There's a lot of, you know, market um, protectionist policies, I guess you could say, to sort of encourage the growth of Korean companies and limit the growth of foreign companies. Uh, And, you know, I saw a similar thing happen to, for example, Uber when they came to Korea. Uber basically doesn't exist in Korea. Uh, And the reason is that the taxi union here is very, very strong. They lobbied the government. There was a whole like to do, like some taxi drivers set themselves on fire in protest against Uber. Like it was a really, really big deal. Uh, And basically, you know, they, they, they shored up all the different laws to make it next to impossible for Uber to operate. And so they don't. Uh, And, you know, Obviously, Sephora opened uh, and, you know, had businesses and whatnot uh, and has still got stores open. But I must say, every time I walk past a Sephora here in Seoul, they're never really pumping. There's never a lot of, you know, people in them. I know, like, they didn't have testers out for a long time during the pandemic, which, you know, the whole point, the reason most people go to an offline store is to try the stuff out for themselves. If you can just look at the products on the shelf, it takes a lot of the fun out of it. 
that you might as well just shop online. Certainly that's, you know, my feeling for it. Uh, so that is also not the first time that Sephora has had to shut down its business in a country. Apparently they previously shut down their Japanese business. So they launched their first store in Japan in 1999, uh, but then they pulled out. They also retreated from Hong Kong after their first opening in 2008 as well. So not the first time that they've had issues like this in Asia by all accounts. Uh, but look, it is not just Sephora that is not doing well offline in Korea. Uh, there used to be a whole lot of different stores, offline stores, chain stores that you could shop, K-beauty products for a range of different prices. Pretty cheap, if I must say. Uh, you know, like Boots was one of them, another one called Lops. Uh, which is L-O-H-B, and then La Lavla, which was previously called Watson's. And pretty much all of them have really scaled down their businesses to the point where if you are actually looking for one of those stores to go and visit them, it's just like they're really not close to you necessarily, unlike some of the other offline st stores. So I think this is not just a Sephora problem. Uh, I think it is just a really super competitive market. Uh, and, you know, customers, are just, you know, Sephora, I guess, is known for stocking the same kind of brands around the world in all their different stores. And Korean consumers, I just think maybe they can't keep up with them. How the, the appetite for newness, the appetite for new launches, new brands, new categories of products and types of products, you know, Koreans don't just want to go and buy the same thing year after year after year, which is just not the same in other countries. You know, um, certainly where I'm from in Australia, people like new stuff, sure, but what they like even better is finding a product that they really, really love that really works for them and they keep on using that and they come back and buy it again and again. Uh, so that's just not the way Korea kind of operates. And I think that businesses that are used to operating like that really struggle. So that was in the news this week. Uh, the other thing that was in the news, and I think this is just a carry on from some of the other discussions that have been going on. Obviously, Seoul has announced its desire to become like a global hub for beauty and cosmetic businesses. And one of the agencies run by the Seoul City government, the Seoul Business Agency, SBE, has actually, you know, announced all the things that they are going to be doing to support small and medium sized companies. So I've actually worked with them before Star Story was invited to participate in a program that SBA was running a couple of years ago before the pandemic. Uh, very, very helpful organization to help out small businesses, I believe. Depending on the business in question, they can even help you out with things like an office space to rent or, you know, provide you with a, an office space to use in one of the buildings that they control. So basically, this, argue, this article was talking about how they are trying to help foreign buyers. Uh, you know, they're planning also, they said, to offer job opportunities to foreign residents in Korea so that they can work here as marketers to kind of bridge the gap between Korean companies and then the overseas market. And I mean, there are a lot of people, maybe not a lot, that's probably putting it a little bit highly. There are people who are foreigners working in the Korean beauty space in Korea, certainly. Uh, 
I don't think there are a lot of them just because I think it can be really, really hard to work for a lot of the, the companies here, the startups here. A lot of them don't have a great work culture when it comes to attracting foreigners, certainly not a work culture that foreigners would be familiar with if they've worked overseas. That's a really common complaint. Uh, the pay is really, really low too at a lot of them. Uh, so, you know, big hours, not a lot of pay. Whether that's an attractive opportunity for a lot of people, I guess that's a personal choice. Uh, but I think there is just a lot of talk, at least in the Korean market, about trying to become the next regional finance center uh, and replace Hong Kong. Basically, the sentiment is that Hong Kong is on its way out. It is no longer going to be the future hub uh, because of you know everything that's going on there politically. So one of the other Asian cities is probably going to take its place as the next regional finance center. Uh, and so you know I've seen in the last sort of year and a half a whole lot of articles come out about what the Korean government is planning to do to make sure that Korea is that next hub. My personal opinion is that Korea is not going to be that next hub. There are just so many ways that Korea is not an attractive option for foreign companies, for foreigners. Uh, the language is just one of them, but also, you know, there's just so many bridges. My sense is that, you know, the government might 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 think this but I think the Koreans on the ground I'm not sure how keen they are to have like a whole bunch of foreigners living in Korea that is just my two cents worth for what it's worth uh, I do not think that Korea is going to be the next regional finance center I think if anywhere will be it'll be Singapore uh, that's a little bit of an aside but anyway that I'm seeing more and more articles about you know ways that they are talking about trying to attract more people I don't see any of this happening in practice. Maybe I'm just not in the right places to see this, but I certainly haven't seen an influx of people moving to Korea uh, or, you know, solid plans, I guess, for them to actually do any of this, but they're, they are talking about doing it. So there you go. Take that for what you will. That is just my hot little take. Uh, and the other thing that I saw in the news was that, you know, one of the biggest trends of this year is the multi-bar stick. Uh, so if you aren't familiar with these products, basically what they are, they're not cleansing balms. They do have balm in the name, but they are essentially a little hydrating wind-up stick. They're quite small. They can easily fit in your handbag uh, and you basically wind them up and you can apply them anywhere on your face, neck, whatever that is, you know, dry, maybe not looking very, um, you know, hydrated or bright and you can sort of brighten up your face. So the product that really kicked off that trend is a product called Kahi Wrinkle Bounce Multi Balm. Uh, we have it on Style Story uh, and it is very popular. It sold out really, really quickly. So that was the product that kind of kickstarted the trend. They have already sold 10 million sticks as of February 2022. So very popular. And that has spawned just so many dupes or like people that are trying to, you know, redo their own version of this multi-balm. So pretty much all of the main brands are doing it at the moment. But this was an article basically talking about this and the trend and how popular they are in Korea. And that is definitely true. Kahi is the top uh, searched skincare brand on Naver at the moment, which is basically Korea's version of Google. So very, very popular product. Uh, I think it really launched at the right time because obviously at the time that the balm launched uh, in about 2021, I think it would have been 2021, 
uh, but the pandemic broke out basically. Uh, if it wasn't 2021, it was 2020. It was, it was fairly recent and fairly much like in time with when the pandemic broke out. And of course, during the pandemic, Koreans were reaching for what they were calling untacked beauty products, which was basically a Korean word meaning contactless. So you don't have to touch your face. So obviously anything like mists and, uh, you know, these multi balms were really, really popular because you didn't need to touch your face to redo your skincare. And obviously people were trying not to do that because of concerns about COVID and, you know, not touching everything. So that was very fortuitous, very lucky for them. I think that they happened to launch around the, the same time, but that is a very, very, very popular product. So if you haven't already tried it, check it out. It is a nifty, handy little one. I really enjoyed having it in my routine over the winter period. Uh, so, you know, if you are going into winter, maybe in Australia or New Zealand and looking for something like that, that is a really handy little product. Uh, the other interesting piece of news I saw, and now this one might be a little bit interesting to our K-pop fans, and I know there are a lot of you out there. And um, basically what the article was saying is that there are concerns that if Korea wants its Hallyu trend to continue, Hallyu is the word for the Korean wave, and it basically means the influence of Korea overseas. So everything is wrapped up in that K-beauty, K-drama, K-pop, all of these different K things, that is what Hallyu means. And this article was basically saying it's in danger of continuing because it's too youth focused. So they said, you know, they're not going to really be able to grow the market or extend Korea's influence overseas if it continues to be so focused on youth culture and that it needs to sort of broaden and open up. Otherwise, it's just going to have limited uh, ability to grow. So that's an interesting perspective. I would love to know if the K-pop fans that out there, K-drama fans, do you agree with that? Do you think it is too youth focused? Focused. Are you maybe an older fan um, and you disagree? You'll have to let me know because I thought that one was interesting. And also the article was talking about how important these the, these people are, the Hallyu fans, because they spend up big on Korean merchandise, on Korean intellectual property, uh, you know, buying, I guess, uh, the songs and all of this sort of thing. So they were saying, we can't afford to let these people go. We need to broaden the appeal and stop focusing so much on youth stuff and widen it because it's a good uh, opportunity for Korea to make money, essentially, uh, and also to extend their soft power. This is the other thing that you will hear. If you are looking at articles, you know, in the Korean media, they're very, very keen for Korea to extend its power. And one of the ways they believe they can do that is through culture. So things like Hallyu, uh, and that's why they think that it is a really uh, it's a benefit to the Korean economy that these kind of things continue to be popular. So there you go. There was lots in the news this week, lots of different hot takes and perspectives and, you know, opinions about what should be going on in Korea and how everything should be, you know, I guess, uh, you know, what, what we should be focusing on going forward, essentially. So there you go. That was the news headlines. Uh, and 
jumping into this week's question of the week. And this is a really great one. I actually loved this one. So our questioner of the week was asking if I'm using one product that has retinol in it, like for example, an emulsion, can I use another product like a cream that has retinol in it as well? Or is that too much? Uh, great, great question. Um, I definitely don't think we've had one like this before. Uh, and of course, you know, there are a whole lot of new retinol products coming onto the K-Beauty market. We have talked about this on the podcast. We have a bunch of the brands on Style Story. At the moment, April B's retinol cream is so, so popular. Uh, Charm Zone, their products are getting rave reviews by the people that have tried them. Uh, we have Chosonga, 22 as well. Um, uh, Innisfree, they've released their retinol seeker ample. So lots of new retinol products coming onto the market. So what is the answer to the question? Can you combine them or not? The answer is yes, you can combine them. But as we spoke about on last week's episode, when we were talking about acids and higher percentages, remember when it comes to things like this, that more is not necessarily better. So you know, you can combine them whether you want to or not is a different question. Now, what I would say is our questioner was asking about a cream. So she has an emulsion with retinol in it. And then she was asking, can she combine it with a cream? It, uh, my question back to you would be, and I know you can't answer because this is a podcast, but is the cream a prescription one or is it a cosmetic product? If it is a prescription retinol cream, I would exercise a lot of caution when you you know, are talking about doubling up on any kind of exfoliating products or retinoids. Uh, that's what I would say. And that is because your retinol products on prescription are much more powerful and they work faster. Whereas the retinol in cosmetic products takes longer to work, but over the over time, obviously you can see the same results. The other thing is your prescription retinols will increase your risk of skin irritation a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, and the irritation, honestly, for some people can be so extreme and so persistent that they just can't use the product. I was having this conversation with my mum uh, not too long ago. Uh, so her best friend got a prescription for retinol. And of course, what did my mum do? She went out the next day and got the same thing because they just, you know, she's very easily influenced. Uh, and if her best friend is doing something, they tend to just do it together because that's just what they do. Uh, so, you know, both women are in their 60s and mum was saying that her best friend has been able to use it for months with no problems. She's using it every day. And my mum had to just stop using it because she just could not take it anymore. Even just using it like once or twice a week, the irritation was so persistent and so getting in the way of her everyday life that it was just not a product she could keep using in her routine. And that's a common thing you will hear for, you know, not insignificant amount of people with the prescription retinols. But when it comes to your cosmetic ones, because they have a lower uh, you know, percentage of retinol in them, they have a lower risk of skin irrita irritation as well. So if that is the kind of cream that you are using, it is a cosmetic and not a prescription one, then you might have better luck mixing them together. As always, I would say it is a question of testing it out, experimenting, see how your skin goes. At the first sign of any irritation, I would 
totally pull back, but you can combine them. Even if it is a prescription, you technically can. Whether you want to or not, different story. So I would just say, give it a go see how your skin goes and I would start out slowly so that you can pull back if you need to if you go straight in doing you know every single night it's going to be a little bit harder to pull back but if you do it a couple of days a week and everything seems to be tracking okay then you can probably keep going I would say so that's my answer hope it helps uh and yeah you'll have to let me know how you go uh good luck to you Now, the other thing is, I should remind you guys, because I I didn't do this last week and I should have, but if you didn't already remember, it's Mother's Day coming up this weekend. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So look, I'm sure some of you are super organized and you've already got your gifts together. Uh, If so, good for you. Well done. Uh, You know, child of the year, good for you if you haven't and you've left it to the last minute, uh, which I'm very frequently guilty of. The good news is we've got a special curation of gift ideas up on the Style Story website at the moment. We've got two pages of basically our suggestions that are thoroughly vetted, approved and loved by mums. We've got everything up there from moisturizers to gift sets, some beautiful masks, both leave-on and sheet masks, treatments and more. So there is something in there for every single budget. Uh, My personal picks, if I had to suggest to you, so for my mother-in-law, I actually already know exactly what I'm going to give her. And that is our Jellico Bubble Tea Steam Cream. And before you say, oh, you know, that's an, that's just the easy, easy way out. No. Okay. Hear me out. She's at my house at the moment. She and my grandmother-in-law are both staying at my house at the moment. And I have caught them not once, but twice <laughs> rating my supply of bubble tea. So I am going to be giving them more of their own. I know they really love it. So that is my suggestion uh and for for my mother-in-law and my grandma-in-law so that's what I'll be giving them they they just really really love it it works really really well for mature skin Uh, and because they had a long flight over here they're you know still experiencing just a little bit of dehydration and dryness so that is what I will be giving them Uh, And for my own mom, she loves a good powder cleanser. That is one of her favorite Korean products that she tells all of her friends about. So for her, I will be gifting her Subi's Brightening Powder Cleanser uh, because that is just, uh, she absolutely loves it. So that's just, you know, in the bag and an absolute win. I'm going to be pairing it with a couple of other non-skincare things too, just so she doesn't think I took the easy way out. Uh, For me, if my husband is listening, I will take a house on the beach. Uh, That would be great for my Mother's Day. Uh, But let me know, have you got your presents sorted yet or not? Uh, If you haven't, that's just a couple of those suggestions in there for you. You're probably going to need to express post them, guys. It's getting a little bit close to the day. But if not, and you've already got it all sorted, then, you know, hats off to you. Very well done. Uh, So, look. This week we did we haven't had any new products launching for a couple of weeks now. Some of the ones that I was going through on our last episodes were, you know, kind of from a couple of months back. We have some new brands landing soon, including one that a lot of people have been asking about, I Do Care, D-E-W Care. So that is going to be launching soon. Keep an eye out for that on the website if you are hunting for newness. 
But the one product that I did want to talk about this week, which is not going to be relevant for absolutely everyone, but I was talking about it a little while ago, and this is the guide that I put together for influencers, uh, anyone that receives products for free in Australia. It's also good for you know people running skincare brands as well. I'm not sure how many of those listeners we have to the podcast. However, this is a guide that I have put together. It's a cosmetic versus therapeutic claims guide. So why I've sort of put this together and it took a while to put together, it took about a month. Basically, I mentioned on the show previously that the TGA, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, earlier this year had made some important clarification about how marketing works for therapeutic goods and who is subject to their regulations. And basically they clarified that influencers, which is anybody who either gets paid by a brand to review their products or it receives products for free. If those goods are therapeutic goods, then you are covered by this. So therapeutic goods include things like sunscreens. They include things like products that make physiological changes to the body, maybe like whitening claims, claims that they can get rid of melasma or something like that. Uh, So that is what the guide is about. It is going through everything that you need to know to make sure your posts are compliant. I mean, it also applies to journalists as well. So if you are a journalist who, who does get these kinds of products for free, you need to know what your responsibilities and obligations are as well. Uh, you know, obviously you could try and Google this stuff yourself, but that's going to take you a long time. Chances are you will have a hard time getting your head around the requirements. I'm a lawyer and even for me, I'm like, this is an absolute minefield. So what I I have done is basically put the guide together. It's 32 pages. It will save you hours and hours of time. It will also reduce the likelihood that you are subject to a TGA fine, that you are subject to an enforced content takedown. You know, if you're making your own products, product label reprints and things like that, it is a very simple, easy to follow guide because they've broken it all down into really simply basically what is a cosmetic claim versus what is a therapeutic one, uh, the kinds of claims you are able to make about normal skincare products versus therapeutic goods, uh, you know, gifting, freebies, samples, all the rules around that, uh, some common ways that people try and get around the therapeutic claim scheme, you know, little sneak loopholes and why they they don't work Uh, and I sort of wrapped it all up in a neat little bow at the end with a too long didn't read a TLDR section so that you can just like dip into it at any time and check what you need to know so if that is at all relevant to you go and check it out on the Style Story website at the moment it is a really good reference guide for anyone who is currently working in the skincare or beauty industry I have made our team members read it as well because even though I know all of this stuff not they don't necessarily know it and they need to know it so that is how we will be using it going forward as well to help uh, educate our team members people who are coming up with content and things like that around what they can say and what they can't say Uh, so that is new and up on our website at the moment we also had a couple of new Korean beauty product reviews. So two in particular that I thought would be good to share with you guys. The first one is, because obviously we were just talking about retinol, 
This is a retinal one. Both of them actually are, actually. Yeah, so the first one is a five-star review for Charm Zone's de-age retinol emulsion. And our reviewer said, incredibly radiant skin. I love the texture of the product. Very light and high absorption that my skin just lapped it up. I used it at night. The first morning I had some purging around my chin, but that quickly disappeared after a couple of days. Aside from that, I have noticed after a few days when I wake up in the morning, my skin is glowing and radiant, especially around my forehead. So smooth. I've had a few people comment how my skin glows and have asked if I was wearing foundation, which I was not just an SPF moisturizer. I'm 45 years old and to be complimented like that is really nice to hear, but personally I have been won over by this product. So thank you so much to our reviewer. That is amazing. That is also my favorite type of compliment to receive. People asking if you've, you know, if you're wearing foundation, if you've done something different, that's how you know the product is working. So that's great. Thank you so much for your review. Then we also had a five-star review for April B's Retinol Vitamin A Moisture Cream. And our reviewer said, this cream has made my face look much smoother. I still have some red marks on my face though. So thank you very much for your review. Uh, obviously, you know, it's no, no skincare product is a miracle worker, but that is great to hear that your face is looking smoother. Uh, so thank you to everyone that has left a product review recently. Remember, if you have bought a product recently and you haven't left a review we give you points every time you leave a review every time you make a purchase and you can actually use them to get money off your next purchase uh, so go and check out our rewards program if you haven't already done that making sure make sure that you're not leaving any money on the table there uh, it's very easy to do basically there is a present icon a gift icon a gift box on our home page if you click on that and open it up it tells you all about our rewards program if you have made a purchase in the past the good news is that all of your data and points will be there once you create your rewards points account so you don't have to worry about that uh, if you need any help obviously reach out to our team we will be very happy to help you we can set uh, the rewards account up for you if you're having any difficulties at all with it uh, but yeah that's just our way of saying thank you and of course the reviews are just so helpful to other people that are coming along and are curious about a product as well. Uh, so that's why we encourage you to leave them because that way people can buy the products that are going to work for them and avoid the ones that aren't going to work. So that is the whole point of the reviews. Okay, so we are nearly at the end, guys. Congratulations if you've made it this far. Uh, my recommendation of the week. This is a new segment I have been trialing out. I am going to keep doing it until someone tells me to stop. So this week I have for you a cooking one. So this is a resource that I myself have been using for a very long time. I'm going to say maybe even... I don't know, maybe seven or eight years. So it is a cooking blog and a YouTube channel called Mung Chi. And how you spell that is M-A-A-N-G-C-H-I, Mung Chi. So it is run by a Korean. Her name is Emily Kim or Kim Kwang Suk. And Mung Chi basically means hammer in Korean. So don't know that that necessarily has anything to do with cooking, but she is just such a great resource if you are looking to cook some Korean dishes 
at home. She runs through lots of really, really famous, popular dishes, things like japchae, kimchi. If you want to make kimchi, you know, that, uh, you can. You could definitely can. I don't think it's that easy. I've never done it, but you can. Dokkaebi, uh, lots and lots of different things. Her recipes are excellent. They're tasty. They're delicious. They're very easy to follow. So I had a look into it because I didn't know this about her, but apparently she was born in Yosu, which is by the seaside. It's like as far as you can go down south on the Korean peninsula, pretty much. Uh, it is an excellent place to visit if you are in Korea, and it is very, very famous for its seafood being by the sea. And apparently that was what Emily Kim's family was involved in when they lived in Korea. She since moved to America, and she posts, you know, lots of content on her YouTube channel. She's got a couple of cookbooks as well. So one of her recipes that I absolutely love that I have been cooking for years is her sundubu jjigae recipe. Uh, that is just something that, you know, before I even moved to Korea, if I was, you know, craving Korean food sometimes, I would cook that up. It is just delicious. It's not too spicy. Uh, so if you are interested in trying your hand at some Korean dishes, uh, may, or maybe you've already tried some and you'd like to be able to make them at home, she is literally a godsend. Her recipes are excellent. They're really, really good. And like I said, easy to follow. So even if you are not an absolute cooking wizard, you should be able to follow along. Uh, Korean recipes in general, I would say, are quite forgiving. Uh, you know, it's not like really super technical or intricate for a lot of them, you know, not like maybe French cooking. Uh, so give it a try if you are keen to have a little bit of a taste of Korea. Her name, her blog is Mangchi, M-A-A-N-G-C-H-I. Okay, that is all I had for you for this Tuesday's episode. I will be back on Thursday with a very hotly requested episode uh, all about Korean hair trends, hair treatments, uh, all of that sort of thing. So if you are interested in learning more about what is going on in the world of Korean hair, then make sure you stay tuned, stay subscribed. And until then, I will see you on Style Story.